You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you tonight's episode is my bookie. Our friends over at mybookie.ag are using our promo code LONBA to activate a special offer for you. And that offer is they will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. So head over to mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Frank, um, I wish we were talking on better terms. Um, I wish that we could we could have well, some we're, sort we're of on good, we're on good terms. Yeah, though, right? yeah. No, you you and I are still good. Uh, but I, I wish uh, things were going a little bit better in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, Aaron Rodgers returned today and threw three interceptions and. The Packers season is over. And normally on those days, I really want to be like, all right, we're going to come in here and just hammer some happiness uh, with the Bucks, and this can be your escape. And yeah, um, it's not the case. Uh, the weekend does not treat the Bucks all too kindly. On Friday, they lose 115 109 to the Chicago Bulls. And on Saturday, they lose 115 111 to the Houston Rockets. Um, the Rockets lost, I. I, I I think that was to be expected, but the Bulls one was certainly disappointing um, as they fall to a team uh, that is now 8-20 and after beating uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. So just not a good weekend at all for the Bucks. Uh, where is your head at after this weekend? Uh, you were at the game in Houston last night, and I was at the game on Friday night, and I don't know that being there in person helped me uh, cope with it any better. Yeah, I was at a like my company holiday party on Friday, so I was kind of sneaking glances at the box score during the game. I was debating whether to do that or just watch it, you know, uh, unaware of the final result um, afterwards. Um, and I, it's always painful when you're watching a game, you know, live via your phone, and then uh, and then you know you know that you need to watch really bad loss later. Um, but I was I was at least having fun at my holiday holiday party so i was like a little bit divorced from the like embarrassing nature of losing to a really bad bulls team at home like <laughs> i was I'm, just I'm, gonna like start imagining you like just like snapping on carol from hr like <laughs> no carol i don't want any eggnog like that that's kind of what i was expecting yeah fortunately that that didn't happen the 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 positivity of the environment um was able to uh you know drown out the sort of real-time sadness that I was seeing uh, on the NBA app as, as it was happening. Um, but it was kind of funny because it's like I'm I'm watching the game on my my phone. And to be clear, I was just watching the box score. I was not actually watching the game, even though I, I guess I could have. Um, and I just ca- kind of kept thinking, like, okay, guys, like, first off, I don't care how many games in a row the Chicago Bulls have won. Like, if you come back and be like, well, the Bulls are playing really well. It's like, I don't care. Still who, the Bulls. who are the Bulls' best players? Nikola Miritich? Bobby Portis, Chris Dunn. I mean, like, 
No, <laughs> I, I, I do not care how well the Bulls are playing. It's irrelevant. You're the you're the Milwaukee Bucks playing at home. I don't care how many people come up from Chicago, probably a lot fewer than in recent years. Um, this is a game that you need to just stomp these dudes. And, you know, watching the game kind of go by, it was always really nip and tuck, really close. And you kind of kept thinking like, OK, well, the Bucks will get some separation. The Bucks will get some separation. And it, it's like the Bucks themselves just seemed like they just figured at some point the Bulls would go away and the Bulls would just, you know, just go on a you know, a five minute stretch where they just didn't, couldn't make any shots or, or whatever. And the bucks could not flip a switch. And, you know, I think this week has been a real strong reminder of the fact, and we talked about the bucks clutch stats being so good yep. all season, them being the leaders and, you know, net rating and clutch situations last five minutes, plus or minus five points. And lo and behold, they run into three straight games where, there's plenty of clutch time where the games are are very close. I mean, Houston, certainly they were behind by, by more than five for, for long stretches of the fourth, and they kind of fought their way back. But, um, but you know, these games against the Pelicans and the Bulls in particular, you're, you know, there, there's, there's luck involved with this stuff. And the way you can avoid needing luck is play better the first 43 minutes and don't need to make a bunch of shots or, you know, shoot unrealistic numbers uh, in the last five minutes of a game and hope the other team misses some shots. And, um, you know, ultimately the Bulls, I mean, as much as they are not that talented and they've lost tons of games this year, um, they have been playing better, but you know, ultimately it just comes down to the Bucks. I, I don't know if you, you know, we can say that they didn't take them serious. We can say um, that the Bucks just continue to kind of play to the level of their competition, which certainly you look at the box scores this week. I mean, pretty much it's been like the exact same score in like yeah. most of these games, remarkably similar score lines. Um, they give up what, what do they give up against New Orleans? Did they give up like 116 or something on 115, that, that order? 115, 115, 115, all three yeah. games consistency consistency yeah. give up a ridiculous number of points to any team you play um you know again it's just that it's not like the defense has suddenly reverted back to trapping every time or something like that i mean you know again i think schematically it's at least in a better shape than it was but we still see lots of mistakes and again it kind of gets, gets back to this idea of if you think you can just like snap your fingers and suddenly be, you know, doing something logical and then everybody's just going to know how to do it all the time and, and execute it. I mean, that's not, that's not going to happen, right? If you wait until yep. mid, you know, 20 games into the season to, to straighten out your defense, you're going to have issues, um, ongoing on an ongoing basis. And, um, certainly the bucks struggled. And, um, I think, you know, offensively, again, they put up some solid to good numbers offensively in these games this week, but, um, man, they're, especially with these injuries, with your defense not being up to par, I mean, you put so much pressure on your offense to be really good. And look, yeah, I mean, against the Rockets, you're going to lose, you're going to lose that game probably regardless, but these other two games, um, I mean, it's just, you just create such a high degree of difficulty. And, um, you know, I mean, seeing, seeing the starting lineup, the starting shooting guard go from Gary Payton, the second to Deandre Liggins, um, you know, again, I mean, you're just you're just like playing offense with one hand, hand tied behind your back. It feels like, yeah, and uh, I don't know. Throughout both the Bulls game and the Pelicans game, I couldn't help but think to myself, okay, the Bucks can win this game whenever they decide that they want to string together five solid defensive possessions in a row. That they can. All they have to do put together five solid defensive possessions, and it's over. I didn't feel that way against the Houston Rockets because. Good luck trying to cover Harden and Paul. But in those other two games, that was all I could think of. And at no point did they put together five consecutive defensive possessions 
that were good got stops. And throughout both of those games, you just saw miscommunications. You saw trap or excuse me, you didn't see traps. You saw switches missed. Um, There was one really blatant one against Chicago um, where Miritich came up to set a pick and roll screen um, on, I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was Chris Dunn. And he comes up to set the screen. Bledsoe moves over to, uh, to Dunn's left hand to force him into the screen. And that screen was going to be set by, uh, by Miritich and Middleton was the guy covering and Miritich slips, slips the screen. Middleton runs with him. Bledsoe's out of position because he was expecting a switch. Dunn goes right down the lane, finishes and one. Um, and that was final five minutes of the game. And after the play, Middleton puts his hand up, points over at, at uh, Bledsoe and says, that's that's my fault. And when we asked him about it after the game, he, he said pretty much exactly that. He said, I had two huge F-ups in the last couple minutes, and that's that's how it goes. Or let me, let me see if I can get it for sure. Um, I had two big F-ups late in the game. I gave up a layup and one, and then Giannis bailed us out with a block on another. Just got to do a better job of communicating and just doing what we're supposed to do, staying with the coverages. It's just mental lapses that we've had, and you can't have those. And I, I think when you watch this team right now, like you said, schematically, they've made some changes, and you're not seeing the same aggressiveness. But at the same time, like I said during our mailbag we talked about it when um i think a couple of our listeners had asked is this going to be easier for jabari when he comes back with this defense not being quite as aggressive and the scheme being changed a little bit and i said okay switching can be easier but it requires a lot of communication you have to talk all the time and you can't really screw those up and consistently against the bulls against the pelicans you saw just that the Bucks were screwing it up and they were getting open shots. They were helping to the Bucks were helping too much and giving up open shots that way. Like the, they've just been a mess defensively for these last three games. And, and I think if you go even further back than that, um, you're going to see the exact same thing um, in those games. Obviously they, they won a number of those games, but they've been giving up a hundred plus in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. And again, a hundred isn't necessarily the number that it used to be just because teams are playing at a faster pace. Offenses are more efficient than they used to be, but to give that up in eight straight games, I got it's significant, especially with the pace that the Bucks are playing at in a number of those games. So they they're giving up points. They're, they're not executing defensively and, like I said, throughout both the Pelicans and Bulls game, I just kept thinking, okay, when they decide to put their foot down and actually defend, they're going to close these teams out because they're better than them, they're more talented than them, and they can do that, and it never happened. Yeah, Friday's game was, you know, the Bucks obviously have struggled with with, off- with uh, giving up offensive rebounds to the other team all season, right? I mean, yeah. defensive rebounding is like, you know, the a decade-long issue practically in Milwaukee at this point. Um, but this felt like one of the... I'm trying to think if there was another game where it felt like so clearly that, that the us. issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, the Bulls, I mean, we talked about in the preseason, the Bulls blew the Bucks out in that one preseason game, just shooting tons of threes. And I remember thinking, you know, maybe that's just the way this Bulls team is going to play. They're just going to shoot a ton of threes and they're going to be just a variance team, right? Like they're on any given night, they might just hit a bunch and, and you might just not be able to stop them. Um, 
And the frustrating part about the game on Friday and and also the game on Saturday, I mean, the Bucks three point defense, if you told me they were going to give up eight out of 22 against the Bulls and 11 out of 35 against the Rockets, I would have taken that every day. Right. Yep. I mean, those are really good numbers. And again, I think the Bucks now um, via cleaning the glass are ninth in terms of fewest uh, opponent threes allowed as, as a share of uh of, you know, total shot attempts. So the three point defense, you know, in terms of limiting that as like a proportion of all of the shots has been very good. The at rim defense, the giving up easy buckets inside continues to be a huge problem. They're still dead last in that department. And against on Friday, you know, they gave up 14 offensive rebounds, you know, uh, 56, I think point paints, uh, paint points, um, just a ton of easy stuff at, at the rim, you know, Portis, uh, hurt them, although he only had two offensive rebounds. He was more on the defensive glass, but he got loose a number of times inside. And Robin Lopez, who just always looks good against the box. I mean, he only had two defensive rebounds. I mean, he's a really bad defensive rebounder, but a really good offensive rebounder. Six offensive rebounds, 18 points on 14 shots. Norm- I feel like normally Rolo like, just hits like a million mid-range jumpers, and that wasn't the case on Friday. No. He just turned them into little hook shots and layups, and you know the Bucks really had had no answer for him. And um you know, give credit to the Bulls players. I mean, they took advantage of the Bucks. You know, whether it was the Bucks not taking them seriously, whatever it was. Um, Chris Dunn, you know, has been playing much better than he has uh, certainly last year. Um, Portis had a career night in terms of twenty-seven and twelve, and you know, again, Giannis um, was was big, especially in those first three quarters. Uh, Twenty-nine, sixteen, four assists, a block late on Miritich that he alluded to to kind of give the Bucks a chance um, to to kind of come back. But uh, again, you know, in terms of Everybody who wasn't Giannis or Chris Middleton, who scored 29 on 19 shots to go with six boards, six assists, four steals. Uh, everybody else kind of kind of struggled to keep up their end of the bargain. And, you know, Brogdon, they, they've become the, the bench is so reliant on Brogdon at this point. You know, he goes three out of 12, only six points on Friday, um, bounce back in a big way against the Rockets. But, uh, man, it, they're, they're so thin with with Snell, Della Vadova. Obviously, Toledovic, you know, who we might not have time to talk today, but, um, you know, one of the big news on Thursday, which we, you know, didn't talk about because I was watching Star Wars Thursday night, was uh, Toledovic being uh, diagnosed with his pulmonary emboli. I think I think yep. that's how you pronounce it um, in both lungs, a, a scary injury that uh, he he had back in. Uh, Brooklyn as well and and basically missed the rest of a season one of his seasons in Brooklyn so pretty scary stuff and I you know I have no idea what what's going to happen next they said 10 days of um you know they're going to take 10 days basically treatment and then kind of reassess but certainly um you know shout out from the Toledovich Archipelago to Mirza and you know fingers crossed for him not just for for this season but you know just bigger picture his career so we'll, we'll get we'll talk a little bit more about that but obviously the Bucks um at this point you know, very thin at the forward spots with with Mirza out. Obviously, Jamar Parker has been out forever. Um, and then with Snell just continuing to miss games, with Delhi continuing to miss games, um, they continue to rely on guys who just aren't good. Guys, you know, yep. Gary Payton, the second started, played 10 minutes, actually hit a three on Friday um, and uh, did not hit a three on Saturday in his ultimately what appears to be his last game in Milwaukee with the news afterwards that he was going to be released with his uh, 10 day contract or sorry, a two way contract reaching its max 45 days. We, we alluded to wondering when it would happen and apparently it, it's going to happen on Monday. Um, although by the way, did you also find it interesting that it was like, Oh, he's going to hit his 45 days on Monday. Like my first thought was, 
can they i don't know like why why did they why did they have him around that like it seems like he was around the team way more than he needed to be if they really wanted to like preserve his nba days but i, I don't know whatever he's not good so that's fine yeah. um but report that Sean Kilpatrick, the former Bucks summer leaguer who had a, a nice kind of, I don't know, year and a half in, in Brooklyn before being released early this season, um, is, is going to be a target, which is an interesting move. We'll talk more about that tomorrow as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, against the Bulls, I don't, I don't, know, I don't even want to belabor it anymore. I mean, they, beat them. They, they You got to beat them. And yeah. you didn't. And this is why you can't trust the Bucks. I mean, you know, yeah. like you you see nice things. We I think we've seen that this team has very a very high has high potential. I mean, I think this team has a high ceiling um, with the roster as it is, even with the injuries. I mean, I think this is a team that the top in town is still so good. Obviously, you have to beat the Bulls, um, but you can be competitive with with other teams. But again, it's just, you know, Jason Kidd and, and the company just have not figured out how to get this team to, you know, live up to its potential night in, night out. And I don't know, anything else on the Bulls or do you want to talk a little bit more about the Rockets? Um, I mean, I think really it, this is – it's one of those nights where it's just frustrating because, like I said, if you execute defensively, you can beat them. And again, you don't even have to execute for three quarters defensively. I don't even know if you needed to execute for the entirety of the fourth quarter. Like If you just execute for five minutes of the fourth quarter defensively, you can win that game. And they just, they just couldn't do it. And obviously you mentioned uh, just the awful awful defensive rebounding rate that they had in that game and how many offensive rebounds they gave up and um just kind of thinking about it like again this is something that uh, i'm that that night on friday my tweets were flooded with people like see this is why we need uh a real big or this is why we need to have a a bigger guy that can uh use his body and get rebounds and it's like yeah i get it but also, just play defense, and you don't have to worry about that. Like, I, I understand, and I knew that it was going to be a, a big thing that night. But um, yeah, they they didn't do their jobs. And again, I, I know there's always a, a want to blame scheme or everything else, and not want to hear energy and effort. But I, I guess I won't use energy and effort. I'll use execution. Like execute defensively don't have all those miscommunications and you win the game. And it's just an infuriating game to see the Bucks lose because if you're a good team, you don't lose that game. And after that game, you, we talked to Middleton, we talked to uh, Dedekumbo. And when we talked to Giannis and Chris, both of them said, yeah, we blew it. Like the, this game and against the Pelicans, those are two games that, you we know we needed to win and we especially know that it's going to hurt now that we're going to Houston and we're going to have the Cavaliers on Tuesday like this not taking care of business in those two games turns what could just be two off nights where you don't play into a four game losing streak and going back down to 500 at 15 and 15 once you lose to or excuse me, going back down to 15 and 14 once you lose to the Rockets and you lose to the Cavaliers, and then having the chance to go down uh, to 500 in the game after that on Friday against the Hornets. So um, just a, a really frustrating night. And Frank, something else that can be frustrating is trying to figure out where to place bets online. Because where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money betting the games, you got to go to mybookie.ag. You don't have to take my word for it. 
check them out yourself. They have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. You can play the money line, side or total. My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. And you can place bets on football, basketball, hockey games, um, whatever it is that you want to place a bet on and you can go and make some serious cash at mybookie.ag. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use promo code LONBA. Again, that's LONBA to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's let's move on to the Rockets game. Um, I think, uh, again, you see a really strong performance from Giannis, 28 points, nine rebounds, five assists, four steals, a solid performance from Middleton. I don't know if it was great, but certainly solid 23 points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals. Brogdon great off the bench, 20 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, two blocks. And then Bledsoe even got into the act, uh, despite a, a poor shooting night, seven of 18, uh, he ends up getting 19 points, three rebounds an assist, a steal and a block and you end up just not having enough i think the final score makes this one look a little bit closer than it was um, just because the bucks were able to hit some shots down the stretch and were able to kind of keep it close Um, but it felt like the rockets were able to pretty much keep the the bucks at bay and it's one of those nights where i think you're encouraged that they could keep it this close because i think the rockets are one of the best teams in all of basketball. But then at the same time, when I think about, oh, okay, how did they do it? I see 42 minutes for Giannis. I see 34 for Middleton. I see 36 for Bledsoe. I see 36 for Brogdon. And then I think back to Friday night where Middleton played 42 minutes and Giannis played 40 minutes. Like That's just so dangerous. Like, And I know I've seen some people talk about how there's – differences in minutes played like you can play 40 minutes in a night but if it's a bad team and you're not trying that hard maybe those 40 minutes aren't that taxing these are taxing minutes for for Giannis like he doesn't have an off switch and this team can't afford him to have an off switch like he needs to be going 100% all the time same thing goes for Middleton like their margins for error are still small enough that there's not an easy 40 for him, or I, I guess really for me, for anyone, I, I don't really agree with that idea that uh, even 40 minutes against a bad team can not mean as much if the game's not close or whatever. Like, it, it's still 40 minutes. So, um, I don't know. It, it's encouraging, but also disappointing when you kind of look at the team that they have to put out on the floor right now with all the injuries and just with an utter lack of shooting. You just look at lineups where you. I mean, even just looking at the starting lineup, you have one shooter on the floor. Chris Middleton. That's it. Henson, Dedekumbo, Bledsoe, Liggins. Middleton's your only shooter. Say you take off Liggins and put on Brogdon. Okay, you have two shooters on the floor now. Um, And then even a guy like Maker who should spread the floor, well, he's not shooting threes right now, so he doesn't spread the floor. Like There's just no spacing, and you just kind of watch all those guys really work for stuff. You you watch Middleton work from the mid-range. You watch Giannis go through three te- three uh, opponents to get to the basket. You see Bledsoe turned away constantly on drives to the basket because he's just not big enough to get all the way in there. Like, I don't know. It, it's just uh, 
like I said, encouraging, but also watching the game, there was just a million things that you could get frustrated by. Yeah, I thought the most interesting thing was finding out before the game, you know, first off, you know, finding out that Harden and Clint Capella were quite, you know, game time decisions due to knocks they took on Friday. Capella ends up not playing um, and the Rockets decide to go small with Ryan Anderson at center. I mean, I thought that really kind of set up the entirety of the game from kind of just a coaching chess match perspective. And, you know, I I think a lot of us probably were thinking like, oh, man, Ryan Anderson is going to just like shoot like, you know, a dozen threes on John Henson. And, you know, and the fact that Ryan Anderson did not score a single point, he was over four threes is maybe the craziest stat from this game. But in the context of what the Rockets were doing and the way the Bucks were defending them, it's a lot less crazy because, Quite wisely, I mean, and I, I tweeted it before the game, I mean, D'Antoni's just going to try to play Henson and Maker off the floor. Like, he's just going to, like, you know, just laser in on those guys and try to put them into situations where they can't play. And, you know, I, cer- certainly I thought, like, well, maybe part of it's going to be, you know, trying to get Anderson and, and uh, you know, whoever was playing center, you know, better looks against, you know, Henson, who obviously, first off, John Henson can't punish Ryan Anderson offensively. Like, nope. th- that's the problem. I mean, that's the problem with going big in the modern NBA is, you know, if you had DeMarcus Cousins, sure, like I guess then you could say, oh, I'll take that like small dude down in the post. But you got to be Bucks, damn good on the block to punish somebody. Yeah, you have to do that, right? I mean, the Bucks do that with like Giannis against like you know small fours, things like that, or switches, things like that. But um, but Henson's not going to do anything. I mean, like when they start, like when Dirk starts at center for the Mavs, like Henson's not going to go punish you. I mean, so it's really hard to justify playing him. And to be honest, I think the only reason. You can justify play. I mean, Jason Kidd ends up playing a center the entirety of this game, which, you know, on the face of it seems kind of crazy. But the problem is you have no depth on the wing. So if you don't play Henson, that means you're playing Liggins or, you know, Rashad Vaughn or Gary Payton II or Sterling Brown, who actually got some minutes and looked good. And we can talk about him in a minute. Um, but I think in, in an, if you had, you know, at least a couple of your injured guys back, then I think it's completely indefensible to be playing big lineups against yeah. these guys. But credit to Henson. I mean, they they switched him. You know, he, he ended up getting switched onto Harden a bunch of times. Um, I mean, played those guys pretty honestly, right? I mean, still had jumpers, you know, thrown, you know, hit in his in his eye and and everything. But I mean, they were a lot of the stuff that that happened on Henson were kind of tip your tip your cap place. He also got driven on and hard and scored on him driving to the hoop a number of times, um, which again is something that I, you know seeing the Rockets only get 16 assists I think tells you a lot about this the the kind of way this game went down. It came, it came down to tons of isolation basketball, and certainly in those final minutes, Chris Paul got to his Chris Paul spot and hit a couple of mid range jumpers, which again you know defensively I mean, this is why you drop your center to give up mid-range jump shots which are fundamentally the worst shot in basketball well when you have chris paul (laughs) they're not nearly so bad right yeah yeah, obviously we could argue that i think the the counterpoint would be well you should have gone small and then just switched the pick and rolls and you know force paul to take a you know contested mid-range jumper out of a one-on-one versus against a backpedaling seven footer um but again, I mean, this is th- that's the kind of debate I think you kind of come down to. I mean, in the grand scheme of the universe, if you're forcing Chris Paul to hit late late game mid range jumpers to beat you, um, you know, if you're the Bucks in Houston, like you probably can live with that. But I think especially, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to say it's like it's foolproof that you had John Henson and Thon Maker play all those minutes. I mean, I, I would have loved to see them at least figure out some way to try to go small with Giannis at center because again, um, that would have matched up much more 
clearly with with the way that the Rockets were playing for long stretches. I think they ended up playing about 32 minutes with Nene and and uh, Tarek Black, who, you know, there were a couple plays late. Black had one huge dunk in the Oof. fourth quarter, but there was one bad turnover where it was like Chris Paul was trying to pass to Tar- Tarek Black. And I was just like, hey, anytime the Rockets want to have Tark Black and that's a win. Pick and roll. That is a win. Like let Tark Black try to beat you. Um, so that was a little bit surprising because it was like that didn't seem like great coaching game planning to to have Black so prominently involved late. But um, but yeah, I mean it was tough. I thought the Rockets did a nice job. You know, with those small lineups, they you know were able to crowd Giannis. Not a lot of room for Giannis, especially in that first half, to get loose going to the basket. Out of half court sets, they forced him to pass out a lot. They were, you know, conceding jump shots to him for much of the game. I thought Chicago also did a nice job, you know, really kind of walling off the paint for long stretches and, you know, speaks to how good Giannis is that he still puts up 28, 29 points in both of these games. Um, But I'd also point out, too, I mean, Giannis, I I think, and this this could certainly be these minutes wearing on him, right? I mean, he goes over 80 minutes and a back to back. Uh, this weekend, I think he went over 80 minutes last weekend as well in that back-to-back they won. Um, he's missing a lot of shots in second halves and fourth quarters. And I, you know, I mean, again, I, I think you have to wonder if a lot of this is the fact that he is playing big minutes and maybe his legs are just wearing down a little bit, especially on the second night of back-to-backs. He missed a bunch of jump shots um, this weekend in the second half of the games, he started off strong in the second half against Houston, um, but missed about four or five shots, I think, in the fourth quarter tonight. And, um, you know, fair to wonder if any of those go down, like, you know, maybe some maybe you get a different result. He had a really good look at a three as well that he missed badly in the final two minutes. And again, you know, you you run a guy into the ground like this. I mean, he's going to play at a high level. He's going to be better than anybody you could replace him with for those stretches. Um but, you know, just in the context of, you know, his long term health, first and foremost, that's obviously the biggest thing, you know, trying to make sure he doesn't get these stress injuries, these repetitive wear injuries. You know, the the knee obviously is the biggest thing that we're worried about because he's had some soreness there previously. Um, but then also just, you know, in the fourth quarters of games, it's just harder for him to give you that Herculean MVP type effort when he's playing huge minutes all the time. And, you know, it's only human to kind of wear down a little bit. Last 10 games, he's shooting 53 to 60% in each of the first three quarters. He's shooting 40% in fourth quarters, which, you know, again, I think kind of matches up with the eye test. He seems to be settling for more jump shots. Um, Maybe teams defending him a little bit differently as well, late in games, but um, certainly has not looked quite as dominant in the fourth quarter in a number of these games of late. So um, something to watch out for as good as Giannis has been, um, you know, he certainly, uh, I think the lack of depth, certainly, you know, putting even more pressure on him because there, there's just no depth at the forward spots after the guys that, that are starting at this point. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think as you watch just about any box game right now, you see, just that there's not depth and you're seeing guys like you said that maybe aren't NBA players out on the floor and guys that really just struggle to make anything happen uh I know on Friday night Liggins was uh, I think a minus 11 in the three minutes and in 17 minutes on Saturday night he was minus 12 and again like Chris Middleton was a minus 10 and there were some minuses out there because they didn't play all that well until late in the game when they kind of closed that up but um there's just guys that right now with their depth issues have to be out there and aren't really all that strong of basketball players. And um, I think that's a big thing. And you you mentioned Giannis not shooting quite as well in the fourth quarter. And I think 
this was going to happen. Um, but we were going to see teams start to defend that Bledsoe Giannis pick and roll better. Like that was a play that uh, the Bucks were really using a lot, and um, teams were kind of struggling to figure out how to deal with it. Do you go over the top on Bledsoe? If you go under, will the Bucks just rescreen and take advantage of it? Will they throw that alley oop over the top? Um, if you end up getting a switch and Giannis can find Bledsoe, and there was a lot of different options there, and I think teams are probably getting a little bit better at it and figuring out like, okay, well, we'll just kind of sag into the middle and um i know the rockets were using wings to switch that that action where it was Bledsoe and Giannis and then just two wings and okay you can run it but you're just gonna have another wing on you and we're totally fine with that um so i think you're seeing the the court maybe shrink a little bit um, as the Bucks uh, attempt to figure out exactly how to get Giannis easy ones and it Maybe if you're not seeing that, like you said, it's you play so many minutes by the end of a game, you're not going to have the same explosion. You're not going to be able to finish quite as easily um, at the rim. You're going to take a beating for uh, a longer period of time, and I do think we're seeing some of that. So, um, yeah, just seeing some, some late-game struggles from him. Um, and then also I was going to mention, I was talking – I'm trying to think who I mentioned it to, but – I earlier i think at the start of the week i had mentioned that i thought there was a good chance that by the end of the month we were going to see chris middleton at 40 percent from the three-point line he had had a really bad uh october november was kind of back to normalish and then the start of december was really hot and then in these last two games he's played 42 minutes and then 34 minutes the other night and he goes two for nine from three on friday night and three of nine from three on saturday night and yeah i think his chances of getting to 40 percent by the end of december might have gone out of the window there just because that's adding a whole lot of volume there but also nine threes from chris middleton which is nice um and as i as i watch middleton i desperately I desperately hope for a time where he plays like he does at the end of games. Because at the end of games, he is coming off of pick and rolls and shooting threes. Just straight up shooting threes. They're setting the screens a little bit higher. Instead of getting them inside the three-point line, Henson's setting them three or four feet above the three-point line, and Middleton's coming off them and just banging threes. And that is... Uh, to me what the best version of chris middleton would be so maybe in a world somewhere in the future that is what chris middleton becomes and i can just be excited and dream of that day um uh, before we talk about sterling brown any other thoughts from that rockets game um just want to make sure we we do give a shout out to brogdon as as much as he struggled on friday i mean you wish you could have basically flipped his effort on saturday into that bulls game because if he plays the way he did on saturday on friday um you at least get one win out of this weekend 20 points uh against the rockets had a couple blocks had a couple steals um you know just just really really played well um seven out of 12 shooting hit three out of five threes which was nice to see um you know middleton as you said three out of nine threes i think he started one out of seven and hit two late um he 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 had a bunch of wide open looks and and again you know 
I mean, it's kind of crazy that the Bucks would shoot eight out of 27 from three against the Rockets and actually be in the game because you just feel like you have to, you know, hit some threes to keep up with them. But um, obviously the Rockets did not really take advantage uh, on the other end so much either. So they, they definitely lucked out uh, in that regard. I mean, Anderson and Gordon combining for just one of nine from three. I mean, that, you know, that, that, never that, happens. that does not typically happen. Gor- Gordon has been shockingly bad at in terms of three-point percentage this year like athletically he's looked great this year i was shocked the other day when i shot, saw he was shooting 32 percent from three um obviously he takes lots of very long threes um lots of you know off the dribble stuff so he has a high degree of difficulty but just feels like he's been better than that so um but either way you know ultimately you know harden 31 points on 8 out of 21 shooting paul 25 on 7 out of 13 um you know both guys below their averages in terms of assists you know paul six assists but six turnovers and harden five assists and three turnovers um so kind of like those numbers that you know if you told us those before the game maybe you could live with them i mean they were still efficient and especially paul um but you know overall they kind of you kind of gave yourself a, a chance to win uh with the kind of defensive i don't know if it was so much defensive effort but just sort of defensive outcome at least yes um because uh you know and unfortunately uh, offensively just you know could not could not get enough going um yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Sterling Brown, because obviously we've talked a lot about wanting to see Sterling Brown. And, you know, a lot of it has been just based on the premise of, well, he can't be worse than DeAndre Liggins. He's hopefully not worse than Rashad Vaughn. Um, and he's definitely not worse than Gary Payton. Um, now, Payton being you know imminently released on monday obviously um thankfully that will no longer be an issue um you know there is the assumption here that sean kilpatrick will step in and kilpatrick may very well take sterling brown's minutes before he gets them um but i I thought it was important that you know he played a little bit on friday and then he played a little bit more on saturday and first off he made shots um yep Second off, he he did foul a fair bit, um, but he didn't look out of place defensively. To least, be I fair, thought. though, he might have thought that that was what he's supposed to do. Like, if that's what got DeAndre Liggins' minutes, fouling incessantly, <laughs> may, he was like, okay, this is how I get on the floor. This is how I should do it. That'd be Maybe that that's just a theory I have, though. Yeah, yeah the Bucks had 34 fouls on Saturday. And which is pretty incredible in a game where you weren't hacking uh, intentionally anybody. Yeah. Um, remarkably, Giannis only had two. He didn't have any fouls going into the fourth quarter. But Middleton, five. Bledsoe, five. Brogdon ends up with five. And then Sterling, Peyton. Peyton had four fouls in five minutes, which is in, just it's hats impressive. off to you for that. I mean, they should have like put him back in just to foul out, just to get him some kind of record. Um, Sterling, four fouls in 14 minutes. So, I mean, And he again, started off at a similar pace. I think it was four yeah. fouls for him in the first five or six minutes he played, and then in the second half he cleaned it up. Yeah, he had three fouls in the first quarter, I want to say. Um, and, you know, Paul and Paul and Harden were just doing the rip-through move, you know, which yep. thankfully is no longer free throws, uh, but – Obviously, a lot of times they were getting free throws just because the Bucks were in the penalty so much of the night. Yep. But, um, but yeah, I thought you know just offensively, you know, he at least like he just looked kind of like calm and and in place. And again, three out of four, you know, didn't take any threes. We'd like to see him take some threes. Um, but again, I mean, the guy has some offensive talent. He's certainly much more offensively talented than Gary Payton or DeAndre Liggins. And again, you know, I think. Um, you know, the idea that, like, you need Liggins in there for his defense. I mean, on a night like this, I can see an argument for giving Liggins some run against James Harden just because he's an agitator and he's going to annoy you. Um, and he's going to, again, like, 
get into those guys and maybe frustrate them a little bit. But, you know, you look at the numbers. We talked about them last week. I mean, the Bucks are just have been terrible with DeAndre Liggins on the court. Their offense is terrible. Their defense is worse. Um, he fouls a ton. Um, whether, you know, whether his his style is actually effective, I compared him to Royale Ivy uh, on Twitter today because both guys were kind of like these like pest-like defenders whose actual uh, impact was far less clear than maybe the optics would suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, and this to me is a question, you know, is if Brown can actually get some minutes, make some shots, look competent defensively, uh, and, you know, if Kilpatrick gets gets signed and, and maybe he's able to do hopefully what he did previously, which is get buckets, um, then hopefully that means far less time for DeAndre Liggins. More importantly, obviously, you want Tony Snell to get healthy. Uh, even Delhi, who we've obviously, um, you know, kind of wrung our hands over a lot over the last year or two. Um, I, I will say I would prefer Delhi to Liggins to um, and GP. Really going on really. a limb there. Frank. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm really going on a limb. But um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of frustrating there. And, you know, again, it, we kind of igno- we've kind of ignored DJ Wilson in a lot of this just because I don't know. I, I haven't been impressed with DJ Wilson really at all since, you know, whether summer league or, or preseason, like just, I don't know. He just hasn't really jumped out at me in any respect. Um, but that's, what's also a kill. That's, I mean, when you talk about Giannis playing too many minutes, especially with, since Toledovich has been hurt. I mean, that would help. DJ Wilson, DJ Wilson's your only real power forward other than Giannis. Who's, who's healthy right now. And the fact that Jason Kidd has zero confidence in him being able to do anything. I mean, that sucks. I mean, DJ Wilson is yeah. not like, a 19 year old kid who just, you know, showed up, you know, after playing sparsely and for one year in college, or he's not, you know, he's not like a one and done random guy. Who's just, you know, whatever. I mean, the guy played three years in college. He was a late bloomer, but he's not super young. He's not like, you know, as much as he's not like a really well-built guy, I mean, he weighs 230 pounds. He's not like some tiny skinny dude or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> I wish you could figure out some way to get something from him because certainly, especially with Mirza being out for who knows how long, um, this is, this is going to make it harder to get Giannis more rest because you literally have no other four guy that, that you feel confident in. Basically you have to play with these small lineups with Middleton playing the four or, you know, Jesus, like who else playing the four, right? I mean, thankfully we haven't seen the bottom boy maybe. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't know. And Ballenboy is the center to me too. I mean, he doesn't have yeah. any ball skills, right? I mean, you're you're really handcuffing yourself offensively if you go with a guy like that at the four as well. So, yeah, it's 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 tough right now. I mean, the Bucks um, again. They they are fourth in the East coming into this weekend, and just kind of goes to show you how tightly packed everything is. The Bucks are eighth right now. They could be tenth by the time they next play on Tuesday, or certainly by after the game on Tuesday, because Philly and Miami are at eight, nine and they're uh, I think Miami's 15 and 14 and the heat and the uh, Sixers are 14 and 14. Um, You know, you just, if you just don't play well, you don't take care of business against teams like the bulls. You're, you know, nothing is guaranteed. I mean, there are a ton of teams that are kind of in the mix there. And you look at kind of where the bucks project out right now, based on the way they've played so far this season. I mean, they're only projected at 43 wins right now in five thirty eights model. And, yep. you know, I mean, are, should we be surprised given how inconsistent they've been? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think they, hopefully you get healthy and you, you kind of are able to kind of get your, your, your ship in order to some extent. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's the thing, the bucks should not be trusted. They basically, that 
that's my that's my summary. The Bucks should, the Bucks still cannot be trusted. Giannis can be trusted. Everybody else, you know, Chris Middleton, yeah, I trust Chris Bledsoe. Mostly trust Bledsoe. Pretty much everybody else, um, <laughs> whether it's coaches or players, yeah, don't trust them. And uh, as I think a little bit about the rookies, um, I think the thing with Sterling that continues to impress me is just that he's a basketball player. And good God, I just sound like uh, every coach in the world saying it but um, when you watch him play you can kind of tell that he knows where he should be on the floor he feels confident handling the ball he's not uh, intimidated Uh, I mean he I'm pretty sure he was talking trash to Chris Paul and I think that might lend some credibility to the idea that he was the rookie that called Marcus Smart trash uh, in the Bucks' first game. So like, it, he is very much just someone that appears to be about that action and ready to go and just ready to play. Um, I, I think the big thing for him is he's going to have to remember that everyone thinks of him as someone who couldn't beat Rashad Vaughn out for minutes. So they're not going to expect him to shoot it and be aggressive. They're going to expect him to pass it. And there was a real bad turnover he had in the second half against the Rockets where he dribbled and attacked the basket and then thought like, oh, this would be a time normally where help defenders would come to me and I should pass this out. And no help defenders came. Like, no, you're, there's a difference between being Sterling Brown in college and being Sterling Brown in the NBA. So just continuing to get more aggressive, look for his own shot more, and then in turn that will get some of those other things. That will get him some assists. That will get uh, help defenders to actually care about him. Um, so I, I think that'll be something to watch there. And, yeah, you mentioned the the Tladovich injury and and maybe the, I guess the condition would be the better way to say it that he might be out for the rest of the season like uh, he he might not play the rest of his career like who knows um, how long this will last but we do know that Jabari Parker is slated for a February return and maybe he comes back earlier I know in the past uh, we've seen him come back earlier than maybe expected from an injury we've seen Middleton come back maybe earlier so maybe it is a little bit earlier than that. But even if it is, that is a month of just Giannis at the four. That's it. So like you said, DJ Wilson, now's the time you, you got to step up and play a, just the shortest amount of minutes. Like even, even five more minutes a night to get Giannis's 40 ish to 35 ish. That's huge. That is a huge, that's, it's a huge contribution. And again, th- that might not sound like it and that might not get you jazzed up to play every single night, but man, like that could really help out this team. And maybe that can help out with some of the legs uh, issues that we've been talking about where he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't have the legs to finish late in games. So um, I think that could be really big. And, and I think it is possibly going to be very important. So um, I would agree with you that on that one, Frank, and Yes, your thesis of never trust the Bucks, I think, is a good one. Um, they it's undefeated. It's undefeated. It, it is undefeated for as long as I've been a fan. Um, maybe some of the old timers would would take umbrage with that uh, for some of the '70s teams, but since then, I think it's a it's a pretty and '80s s- teams, '80s teams too. This is true. Um, but even them, like they didn't get a championship, and they, maybe you could trust them against everyone except the Celtics and uh, the Sixers. Uh, so. That's going to be it for us, um, unless there's anything else you want to add, Frank. But um, I think that kind of sums up the weekend. Yeah, 
I think we need to. Well, it gets no easier with Cleveland showing up on Tuesday. Um, FYI, LeBron again, just had his third straight triple double, the mo- the longest streak of triple doubles he's had in his career, which is nice if you can get it. Yeah, and have they put that game away yet in Washington? Because I was seeing it was close in the fourth quarter, and I was really concerned. Yeah, they're up four right now. I'm really hoping they win that game because I do not want the Cavs coming into Milwaukee coming off motivated. a loss. Yeah, that would not yeah. be good. Yeah. So we will talk a little bit more tomorrow. Obviously, we still have a bunch to talk about. We we tried to control ourselves tonight and not talk about everything um, because we mentioned like we need to talk about GP2 and his 45 days being up on his two-way and the fact that maybe they're bringing in Sean Kilpatrick or certainly that it seems like that's who they're targeting. Um, we need to talk a little bit more about Mirza Tladovic and, and kind of what that is all about. Um, so we have a lot more to talk about, um, which is nice that I guess we have two days to do it, um, but we'll do all of that tomorrow, so make sure you check back in for all of that. Uh, two games for the Bucks this weekend. They lose 115-109 to the Chicago Bulls on Friday. They they lose 115-111 to the Houston Rockets on Saturday. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks, and today's episode was brought to you by MyBookie. Again, you can visit mybookie.ag and start an account there today. And MyBookie right now, if you use the promo code LONBA, again, that's LONBA for Lockdown NBA, MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. You play, you win, you get paid at MyBookie.ag. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.